0: Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Chris Carmody, Chief Technology Officer at UPMC. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this podcast, Carmody talks about the importance of collaborating with clinical, operational, and executive leaders to help minimize and mitigate risks, how UPMC is leveraging analytics and predictive modeling to reduce readmissions and change care pathways, the organization's rigid policy when it comes to introducing new technologies and what he believes is the most important skill set for CTOs. I want to um, get into you know, what you guys are doing at UPMC and, and talk about you know, your role itself. And you're the CTO, correct?
1: Yes. So CTO for all UPMC and responsible for a pretty large component of of the IT organization. So obviously your traditional CTO role is usually responsible for the infrastructure and um, the architecture teams, which I am. But my scope of responsibilities include all cybersecurity, about four of our nine current EHRs, all the hospital regions and, and all the outpatient and ambulatory sites domestically, all the corporate applications like the HR systems, finance, supply chain, the interoperability solutions, which we use DB motion to connect all those disparate clinical and ancillary systems, our enterprise project management office, um, our help desk, PC support, all those different functions all report up through me. So it's it's a vast many groups and it's, it's fun. (laughs) No two days are alike.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. And one of the things that we're finding is that the CTO role is very different from what it was even just a few years ago. And it's probably not the same from one organization to the next, but you really have a, like you said, a really vast array of things that fall under your purview. So is is that challenging or how, how do you kind of approach that?
1: I have a great leadership team um, that's that's well-seasoned. I actually have at this point right now, I have 15 direct reports. Many are vice presidents that are leading different areas like guard chief, information security officer. So I work very closely with them, very much engaged and kind of bounce around from being, you know, doing the proactive planning and strategy and vision to dealing with issues. So you got to be able to juggle many balls in the air at the same time and be available and be the person for my role to do the blocking and tackling. So my leaders and, and my teams can do their jobs most effectively. I think that's kind of my role. And and again, the fun part is doing the, the vision and strategy and looking at what new technologies can be used, especially at a UPMC, where the size and scale is usually, you know, the determining factor in terms of what will work at a UPMC versus not. And a lot of times that's the challenge we have with um, different technologies we um, definitely exceed a lot of upper limits of capabilities for different tools from that perspective. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And it seems like it's a nice balance there. You have a lot of the blocking and tackling, like you said, but also that strategy and vision. And I think that that speaks to kind of how these types of roles are evolving.
1: Absolutely. And you think back 20 years, when you think about information technology and the CTO role, You know, you think in your mind how was sort of a separate function. And the great part of being in this role today is the engagement with the clinical leadership, the operational leadership, the executive leadership, our board, that you have all these great inputs. And I think that makes us successful. I think it helps minimize and mitigate our risk because we're not making decisions just for IT's sake. We're making decisions that are best for our patients, for our health plan members, for our users, you know, our clinicians and staff across the many different business units of UPMC. And um, Mm -hmm. to me, that makes our job, I don't want to say it's easier, but it makes it better because, again, having the input and the involvement and being able to collaborate and share ideas and thoughts, I think truly makes a difference and positions us in a way that we might not have been 15, 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. 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 And, you know, obviously you have uh, UPMC Enterprises. So having the innovation arm, I'm sure, is something that that can be uh, interesting <laughs> for you.
1: Absolutely. And it's they do great work there. And we work very collaboratively together. The great part is, you know, we have a lot of standards and best practices and cybersecurity presence. And I think that's part of the value that UPMC Enterprises brings to the technologies that they're developing, the technologies that they're investing in is to really raise the bar because they understand how things work at UPMC and what's really acceptable. And and to to my point before about being able to scale to our size, it's a great partnership to help really vet these different technologies or improve upon the technologies. Again, whether we develop the things in-house or it's something that we make an investment in and we help make better. So um, again, that's the way I kind of look at it. We do a lot of collaboration. We just had a great meeting around one of the ways that we can leverage analytics back and forth Mm on one of the products that they're developing and evolving and the stuff that we're doing from a clinical and operational perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting area. So can you talk a little bit about what what the strategy is as far as leveraging these analytics and really being able to put them into practice?
1: Well, the the great thing is, again, a real life example of a partnership where it's not being driven by IT, but it's, driven by our clinicians very closely with Dr. Oscar Mariquin. He's a cardiologist by trade and he's our chief data and analytics officer for all of UPMC. So we've been working together for the last five or six years probably and have really pushed our analytics capabilities around improving how we deliver care across all of UPMC. So we've, mm-hmm. we've taken a, a lot of the work that his data scientists have built in terms of the specific algorithms at UPMC. And this is the best practices that have been identified, leveraging the data, leveraging the input of clinicians. And then we were able to distribute that knowledge and those insights at different points of care. So a couple of great examples, anyone who comes into a UPMC facility and and they're scheduled for surgical procedure, we run them through our predictive models that Oscar team have built based upon years of data Mm -hmm. to help identify Patients that might be more at risk for adverse outcomes. So it could be something simple as, hey, this person's a a smoker. Let's engage with that patient before they come in and see if we can help them stop smoking and and, and make those types of um, changes before the surgery. And again, that's a simplified view from a technical person. You know, Oscar has many different examples of that. But then you see that approach where there's that type of engagement can truly make a difference in the outcome. On the flip side, when we're looking at discharging patients, you know, obviously readmission rates, obviously very important to hospitals and and healthcare providers, because you want to send a patient home in a position where they're going to continue their journey to recover and, and get hopefully back to full health or better health than what they were when they came to a UPMC facility. So same situation looking at and leveraging our predictive models about the patients that are most at risk. And that changes the care pathway for them and the engagement from a post-acute perspective. Yeah. So we give them the right information. We have the right engagement. We're checking in with them. And we've seen a tremendous improvement over the last number of years of using these, these models and these analytics to reduce that readmission rate. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing right now with analytics is at the technology level, we're replatforming. We have a, an on-prem environment today we're moving to cloud based technologies to really help us scale and grow and, and really accelerate those insights and place them back at the point of care where clinicians can take action on them. And again, it's, it's really an augmentation of, of that care delivery and a great input for clinicians to, to, again, improve that outcome for the patients that we're taking care of at all UPMC facilities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this really goes across so many different areas, different aspects of care, which which is interesting. And and you talked about moving to the cloud. Where are you in that journey right now?
1: Well, we've been in the cloud for almost a decade. This specific to analytics, though, we saw the opportunity. We were just bouncing up against some boundaries in the physical on-prem environment that, you know, it doesn't make sense From a financial perspective, from a tools perspective, most of the AI and ML tools are being developed based upon cloud. So we're in a position, we think we're in a great position to create this new data layer for us to apply our our current tools and technologies that, that UPMC, DNA, all those algorithms that our data scientists, researchers, and clinicians have developed and refined over the last few years, and then build upon that. With the size and scale that the cloud affords us. So we're we're so excited about that. We actually just flipped the switch and and went live with one of our environments there as and we'll, we're starting that migration of data and different jobs and algorithms that are going to enable us to continually make that transition and leverage the cloud for what it's really designed and built for from this perspective, which is that growth and scale and, and really acceleration. So we can get closer to providing real insights in real time at the point of care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one of those really overarching uh, goals, right?
1: Absolutely. If you're a patient coming in, you know, whether it's in the emergency department or ICU, obviously time is of the essence. So we want to be able to to deliver those insights for different scenarios as close to real time as possible. We we know, there's some processing that, that takes place. And, you know, that's something that we'll continually refine and get better at. But that's really the goal and the vision to tie that in so we can, again, our, our whole entire purpose for making these investments and in, in working with data and technology and, and leveraging analytics is to improve the outcomes of our patients. And that's that's really what it's all about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, of course, with all of this, there's the cybersecurity element. Obviously, that that's a big priority for you as yes, well.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, healthcare, we have a big target on our back for many different reasons, and um, Cybersecurity is a never-ending journey, and we're always daily, we're dealing with real-time issues, real attacks, we're planning and strategizing how we can implement better safeguards and controls, whether it's people, process, technology, or the combination of some or all of them, to mitigate our risk. We know, again, there's no silver bullet to cybersecurity, but it's how you plan and prepare and how you're able to respond and recover is really what's going to make the difference between a wide-scale ransomware attack or some type of large data exfiltration. You have to be able to proactively keep as much out as possible, but also recognize that bad actors will get in, they'll attempt to get in, and the sooner we can identify things like ransomware or botnets or any other type of payloads being dropped in our, our environment, our network, and respond to them, right? Eliminate that or eradicate those scenarios, the better off we're going to be. And the more intelligent, the more we can use analytics and AI around cybersecurity obviously makes it better because resources are scarce from that part of the profession. Because again, you're not just developing expertise and skill from an Epic or an Oracle perspective, right? You develop cybersecurity expertise, they can be applied and used or recruited to any industry and add immediate value. So the people aspect of, of what we do from our cybersecurity perspective, we want them focused on you know, the more complex issues. And we try to apply automation in that space as well, as much as possible. So we don't have to engage a human being to identify, remediate, resolve and recover from any type of, of issue.
0: Yeah. And so you work pretty closely with the CISO of UPMC?
1: Yes. The CISO reports to me. His name's John Houston. Yeah, we're pretty much tied at the hip, whether it's the day to day cybersecurity issues that we deal with or taking a step back and doing the planning. And, you know, really, we take a risk based approach to where we make our investments to best mitigate that risk across UPMC. And like I said, sometimes that means investing more in people, adding more people, doing uh, and providing and, and getting more training for our teams and staff. Sometimes it means investing in new technologies to help, again, better mitigate risk, give us better insights in terms of what's happening in our environment so we can take those appropriate actions. And other times it's the process side. We're very rigid when new technologies are being introduced at UPMC to go Mm -hmm. through an architectural review. So before we sign a contract with a vendor, we want to make sure how how does that plug into our ecosystem of technology so we have a, a good sense of how do they address cybersecurity? So one of the big check boxes that we look for is like, are they high trust certified? Or do they have a NIST certification or an ISO, you know, that shows some demonstration of caring about the the security of their product and the design of it. And then we also do a security review of all the products and services that we leverage from third parties. And that is done annually at a minimum. In addition, again, all the other steps we take to assess and evaluate our environment as an ongoing effort. That's why it's a a never-ending journey. And uh, we're always looking for ways to improve upon that, become more efficient, more effective, and leverage the resources that we do have.
0: Yeah. And you touched on something that's come up in a lot of the discussions we've had recently, which is third-party risk management. And that seems like something that's kind of gaining maybe a little bit more traction now as people are realizing you know, just how uh, significant that is with how many third-party solutions there are out there.
1: Absolutely. I a lot of times what you see is, you look at many different studies those third-party breaches are, are very important and very high up on the list for healthcare organizations because we do rely upon other companies and technologies to help deliver patient care or support our operations. So it's, it's very important that we stay on top of that and establish the right partnerships. And like I said, that's why we kind of are always looking at what, what those third parties are doing, how they're mm-hmm. protecting, whether it's UPMC data or patient data or, or health plan member data and ensure that they're taking the right steps. So we like to be ahead of that. Obviously, when you engage with a new vendor, to make sure, like again, do they subscribe, and whether it's high trust, which is a preference of ours, or is it NIST or some other SOC two type two type of audits, and how they're configured, what type of technologies construct the solution or service that they're providing to UPMC, and then um, we have to continually monitor them, you know, throughout the life of, of that agreement and that work that they do. So it's 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 definitely a challenge. It's definitely in front of mind for us, and we're always looking for different ways, whether it's partnering with the third parties or, again, putting the right controls and safeguards around how we how we leverage those third parties to best protect the data that they may have access to or we may be sharing in the ways that they're uh, servicing UPMC and our patients and health plan members.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it seems like a lot of your role comes down to managing relationships and, and communicating and is that something where you where you've kind of been able to, to hone that skill uh, you know throughout your time there
1: absolutely you know you, you think of the, the cto role of being all about technology but it's really not the technology yeah. is the easy part it's the relationships with the people not only just your customers and stakeholders but it's your teams it's your your talent. And I find myself really spending a lot of my time helping hone those skills for myself and my team to make sure that we're communicating well, that we're applying our, our critical thinking to problem solve, and again, engaging and taking the right proactive steps. So we're all in this together. We're all working and moving forward as, as teams, whether it's a, a temporary project or it's an actual, you know, like our cybersecurity team that's, that's working to protect UPMC. So I, I think that's so important and so critical. And, you know, the one thing I think I've learned over my almost 25 years now at UPMC, probably the, the best skill set you could have in this role is to be able to listen. Now, I know I'm doing a lot of talking right now, but it's, it's no, to I, shut your mouth and, and let your stakeholders, let your customers and let your teams, your staff, your leaders tell you, here's where we think we can get better. Here's where we need help. Here's where we need resources. And I always try to do my best to put myself in a position so I can listen to them and and hear. And then it gets back to what I mentioned before about the blocking and tackling. I need to respond and and help them by doing those types of things. Again, whether it's obtaining more uh, support financially from a resource perspective or budgeting perspective to help address these different issues, or it's you know making changes to the organization or making a decision on a technology, all that's important. This role, it's not just me, it's, it's, it's a team effort to be in healthcare these days and, and delivering technology and services and solutions to a, a very big organization, quite honestly. And, yeah. and obviously, we can't do it alone. And, and, and that's that's the great part of my job. It's the people that I get to work with. They're so talented, their expertise, their experience is so valuable to putting us in a position to be successful.
0: Yeah, and you just mentioned being there almost 25 years, and I don't have to tell you that that's kind of rare in healthcare. But what is it that you think that has um, really made you want to to stay part of the organization? Is it just the fact that it has grown so much, or just talk a little bit about that? Um,
1: I think we're in a unique position being a technologist in healthcare. Obviously, myself, anyone that has a, a technology skill set can go work in any other industry and probably make a lot more money but i think there's a true sense of giving back and and being part of helping people at their most vulnerable state you know when they come into one of our hospitals and we're all going to experience this if if you haven't already Mm -hmm. of having a family member or friend that is sick and they have to go seek treatment and care it's scary it it's overwhelming it's daunting it's stressful So from a technologist perspective, not being clinical, obviously, to be able to help ease that, to help make it better, again, to help use technology to drive better outcomes for the people, the patients, and the communities that we serve, I think, to me, it's like a greater sense of calling from a career perspective. And I think that's why a lot of us do stay in healthcare for our entire careers. Because again, there's a tremendous amount of value of contributing our talent and skills to you know, helping someone out, helping our fellow Pittsburgh or Western Pennsylvania or Pennsylvanian out or wherever we're at, overcome their illness or whatever it is that we're, we're providing that service for them at, at UPMC. So that's really the driver inside of me. As the technologist, though, the great part about healthcare is the changing dynamics and how technology has been adopted. And just, just think about 20 years ago, a lot of healthcare systems in the US were using paper still to deliver care and just how much we've advanced in the last 20 years. And I see such a bright future because of things like analytics, advanced analytics with machine learning and artificial intelligence and all the automation, all the improvements we can make to, again, change that trajectory of how care is delivered in a very positive way. Whether it's more efficient, it's more effective. To me, that's the exciting part. And that's the thing that keeps me motivated and and moving forward. And, And like I said before, I don't think I've ever had two days alike over the last 25 years, which to me is a great thing, both from a planning strategy, vision perspective, or, you know, fighting the fires that we do a lot in IT. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is a whole other conversation, but then seeing everything that's happening from a digital transformation perspective, um, that's probably speaks to what you said about the future, where this industry is going and, you know, wanting to be part of that.
1: Absolutely. The interesting part in the transformation transformational part, I think, of healthcare today is, it's really the decentralization of of care, right? Mm -hmm. So we've been so used to training to going into a hospital or going to a doctor's office, and COVID really helped accelerate the the use of telemedicine. Even though we've been doing telemedicine for years, decades, Mm -hmm. that really helped the adoption that have patients and, again, health plan members feel more comfortable by receiving care that way. And I think leveraging technology, You can send technology that, you know, the the whole IOT concept, wearables and sensors and high definition video with the advent of 5G becoming more and more readily available to different communities. We're transforming healthcare into more consumer centric service industry to give those consumers options about how, when, and most interesting where they receive their care. And, and that's it couldn't be done without technology. So I think there's a there's a lot of growth there. I think there's a lot of transformation that's going to happen. And I'm um, you know, looking forward to being hopefully being a part of that in the future.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at HealthSystemCIO.com podcast.